This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions. Today's big question, does faith in God make sense? We're asking today's big question to Simon Edwards. Simon is originally from Australia and worked as a lawyer before moving to the UK to study at the Oxford Centre of Christian Apologetics and later Oxford University. He's a popular speaker and is the author of the book, The Sanity of Belief, Why Faith Makes Sense. And he joins me now. Simon, welcome to Bigger Questions. Oh, thanks so much, Rob. Absolute uh, privilege to uh, join you. Terrific. Now, thank you. Now, Simon, you studied at the Ocker. You work with the Ocker. Now, in Australia, Ocker means something a bit different. So what does it mean? What, is the, what does it mean to work at the Ocker? Oh, yeah. So it's it's an acronym. Um, it, it is a funny name for Australians, isn't it? But um, OCCA, uh, the Oxford Centre for Christian Apologetics, mm-hmm. uh, based in uh, Oxford, as the name might suggest. Um, and I work with a, a wonderful team here who spend a lot of time um, speaking outside of church settings in schools, universities, uh, workplaces on some of the big questions of life and just trying to help people see how uh, Christian faith actually makes sense of their lives and that following Jesus is the most sensible, rational and wonderful thing that you could possibly do with your life. Uh, it's a wonderful team that I work with. Wow, wonderful. Now, you mentioned their apologetics. So what does that mean? Does that mean you make lots of mistakes? Yeah, or, or constantly saying sorry. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you're very good at apologising, are you? Yeah, exactly. Um, it just means to give a, a defence or an explanation. So, so Christian apologetics really is just about explaining uh, what Christianity is and defending um, questions, heartfelt concerns or intellectual objections that um, people might have about Christian faith. So I like to say to people, it's just responding to thoughtful questions with thoughtful answers. Terrific. Well, it's great that you can join us here today, Simon. Now to kick off bigger questions, we like to ask some smaller questions just to get us thinking. Today, we're asking Simon Edwards if faith in God makes sense. So Simon, for our smaller questions today, I'm going to give you two quotes, which I found on a Reddit thread connected to today's big question, where a key word of the quote has been blanked out. Okay, all you have to do is tell me what the word is that's been blanked out. Okay, does that make sense? Uh, it, it makes sense, but it doesn't mean that uh, I'm not incredibly frightened right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll see how you go. I don't think they're particularly easy, but we'll see how you go. Anyway, okay, quote one, the Bible and most Christian beliefs are complete and utter blank. From the first verse of Genesis to the last verse of Revelation, it's nonstop blank. So what was the blank? Uh, it was the same word both times. Ooh, what are you going to okay. say? Okay, I'm going to go with rubbish. Oh, you're, you're close. Maybe if you try again, maybe not not quite with rubbish, but something similar. Garbage. <laughs> it was actually nonsense. So the, the actual word was nonsense. So I'm sorry, you haven't quite got that one right. But there's there's a, there's a second one. You have the second one to potentially uh, pass and, and, and right. complete our smaller questions, okay? Uh, so the, the quote was, the Bible and most Christian beliefs are complete and utter nonsense. From the first verse of Genesis to the last verse of Revelation, it's nonstop nonsense. Okay, quote two. Honestly, I don't care how arrogant it sounds. If you believe most of the stuff in the Bible, you believe absolute nonsense and you should be blank. Your beliefs are without evidence and a detriment to human civilization. What was the blanked word? Ooh, okay. Uh, Again, this is a complete guess. Um, You should be ashamed. 
And that's right. It is. Yes, yeah. it was. Wow. You, sorry. You should wow. be. They're saying that if you believe most of the stuff in the Bible, you believe absolute nonsense and you should be ashamed. So, wow. Simon, your results actually make sense. You passed. You got one of our two smaller questions right. And if we you. had a live audience, that'd give you a big round of applause. So, Simon, to, to many today, faith in God and believing in the Bible does seem like complete nonsense. Can you appreciate why people find faith in God difficult to believe or even, you know, being ashamed about? I mean, we can't see God and there are some, you know, weird and unusual things in the Bible. Yeah, I can I can very much understand it, uh, given the environment that we live, uh, live in and grow up in. Uh, I can relate to that myself. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. And if you didn't, depending on the influences that you've had in your life, I meet a lot of people who uh, just assume without having thought it through very much because they've just imbibed um, the sort of dominant cultural narrative around them that Christian faith is irrational or irrelevant. Um, so oh, it's uh, nonsense. It, nonsense, exactly. Um, so you can see why um, people might think it's nonsense if it's um, completely irrational if you have to leave your brain at the door to believe this sort of stuff. And I can see why you mentioned shame as well. I can see why people would associate shame even with Christian faith, because um, part of the cultural narrative as well is that belief in God is immoral in some way, uh, perhaps mm. dangerous, perhaps arrogant, perhaps elitist, per perhaps intolerant. Um, mm. And so because of these dominant cultural narratives, uh, I I completely understand why why people would have those feelings about Christian mm. faith and and my my experience when I'm talking to people who have those assumptions is okay well well tell me about the God that you understand these adjectives of irrational or relevant or immoral to relate to or the belief and when people start talking about that God or that belief I often find myself saying to them well you know I, I wouldn't be interested in a belief like that either but then Christian mm. faith is not like the belief that you're describing. Um, let me mm. tell you a little bit about what it actually looks like and what the God of the Bible is actually like. Well, so you do confront some of these uh, these cultural narratives, so to speak, uh, in your book, The Sanity of Belief, Why Faith Makes Sense. So what makes you think then that faith in God does make sense and it's not nonsense? The, the biggest thing for me in my journey of coming to Christian faith actually was that uh, Christian faith made best sense of all the evidence. I didn't. I didn't grow up in a in a Christian uh, home, as I said. But I hit uh, when I hit my teenage years. I really started thinking to myself, you know, what is life actually all about? Is it just true that we live for eighty uh, or ninety years and then we die and then we're dust and everything we've loved, everything we've achieved, everything we are just inevitably dissipates into nothingness? Uh, well, if that's true, it seems like a meaningless uh, story and also something like a sad story, really. I wonder if it really is true. And I I, mm. I, I was compelled to investigate. I actually started researching and, and going to the library and looking up different worldviews and religions and philosophies to try to get a sense of what is life actually all about. There's a reason that this I was... Sorry, this was as a, as a teenager... This as a teen, there's a reason I was doing that. I was I was really into sport as a teenager. Um, I was playing cricket and tennis and rugby, athletics. I was doing martial arts. It was it was the biggest thing in my life. And then suddenly I had a knee injury, which meant I had to stop all sport. And you can just imagine overnight I went from a very busy, active person to having more time on my hands that I knew what to do with. 
Um, mm. And it's because I had all this time on my hands. And I think it's also because I was on this cusp uh, between childhood and, and adulthood that I started to think, what is life all about? And my my I'm actually of, of the view that we all have these deep questions of the heart, actually. It's mm. just that our lives are so busy, so full of distractions that these deep questions of the heart, such as, you know, what is life all about? You know, who am I? Where am I going? How should I live? They rarely find a space to surface. But suddenly I had plenty of space for these things to surface. And I really wanted to figure it, figure it out. And um, I, I was being forced to sit in religious education classes at school. Uh, which meant that I was hearing a different story as well, one that told me that I'm not here by accident. I'm here on purpose because somebody, God, wanted me to be here. And um, I just thought to myself, if that's true, that's a game changer. Mm. That's like mm. that is so significantly important. I, I need to I need to figure this out. So I started going to the library and reading and, and I was investigating. And for me, the, the question was, which we talked about nonsense. Well, what's the opposite of nonsense? Sense. I'm like, which of these competing explanations of reality make the most sense in light of the evidence? But in this case, the evidence is all of observed reality. And that's that's the um, the world around me with its overwhelming impression of order and design and beauty, but also the world within me, uh, mm. my longing for meaning uh, and value and goodness and truth and 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 love. The fact that I even cared about these sort of questions, what made sense of sense of these things. Long story short, I came to the view that Christian faith makes best sense of the world around me, mm. as well as the world within me. But on top of that. The biggest thing for me was actually uh, being introduced to the person of Jesus, right? And getting to know him because I started to, I started to read the Bible, and I found that as I read the Bible, the Gospels, I, I would at, at at high school I was given a little um, Gideon's uh, New Testament, so I had that, and I started reading that, and and I encountered Jesus, and Jesus's life and teachings and words just had the ring of of truth. I felt like I was encountering a person. Because hmm. you, you hadn't, go, hadn't grown up in a Christian background or anything, so this was all kind of rel- this was all new to you, was it? it? Completely new. It was as new to me as if I was studying Islam or Hinduism. I didn't know Jesus was God. I'd heard of Jesus. I knew hmm. he was religious, a religious person. I, I, I had no background at all. So I, I just went in full of curiosity and a desire to really uh, uh, answer the big questions, you know, what is real? What is true? Um, what is good? What is life all about? And I'll just say one of the other big things for me is as I studied all the different religions, all of them were sort of saying, had a similar theme, which was that if I said the right things or did the right religious practices, I could eventually work my way up to whatever the goal of that religion was. Um, heaven, salvation, nirvana, whatever it was. But but Christianity was unique in that it said um, I was helpless. I couldn't work my way up, but Jesus, God and Jesus had come down mm. uh, to me to rescue. And I was a very competitive young man in my teenage years, um, and, and I intuitively sensed that 
this wasn't a, a man-made religion because there's something in us that wants to do it for ourselves, to prove it for ourselves. Um, but this went against the grain of that that competitive instinct that said, I can I can do this on my own. And so that had the ring of truth about it mm. as well. Would I would have these desires within me. Mm. But why God specifically? Why couldn't you find it elsewhere? I mean, there's lots of plenty of non-believers, atheists uh, and so on who find meaning and purpose uh, in things other than God. So, so why do you find the answers in God? How, how, how does that help? Yeah, I, I, I reflected that if it's true that we're just here through um, an unguided process of time plus matter plus chance, we live for 80, 90 years and we die and then we're dust. But when I talk about objective meaning, I mean, objective means it would be true irrespective of the belief of the agent. Mm. So it would be true. Even if I didn't think my life was meaningful, if it was objectively meaningful, it would be meaningful. Right. So it's irrespective of the belief of, of the agent. And, and I thought if, if life is just subjectively meaningful, but there is no objective meaning to it, that that's not going to be able to sustain or, or satisfy a longing that I have. Um, so I would have said to, if I had come to the conclusion that, life ultimately boils down to unguided laws operating on mindless atoms and that that's ultimate reality i would have said to myself that nothing is of lasting consequence you know the, the, i think it was bertrand russell who said uh, all of uh humanity's greatest achievements uh, love etc are just doomed to extinction the vast death of the solar system like if that was the true story i would have said logically um life is meaningless it has no it's not of co lasting consequence um, but i still would have tried to make the best of it you know tried to get as much pleasure enjoyment as i could for the 80 or 90 years if i'm lucky that i'm that i'm here but i came to um the conclusion that um christianity was true and that that made life meaningful but as i thought about these things I, I've, I've thought about these things more since then and i've realized that that we all uh, if if life is to be meaningful and we all live as as if it is, um, the following things would need to be true, which is um, that who we are matters, which is a question of value, mm -hmm. that what we do matters, which is a question of goodness or morality, that what we experience is real, which is a question of truth, uh, that our relationships are meaningful, which is a question of love, and that we can have hope for the future uh, a hope that not even sickness or suffering and death can take away. And, and that, that's a question of how we deal with, with, with suffering. Mm. And so these, these big things, value, goodness, truth, love, hope, suffering, we, we need to work these things through um, if life is ultimately to be meaningful. And, and as, I, as I looked at Christian faith, I understood that, yeah, from a, from, from a Christian perspective, who we are does matter. When mm. we're, we're not just meat and bones and chemicals, we're eternal beings made for eternal future in God's great universe. And I saw that what we do matters, uh, that, that there is such a thing as right and wrong, good and evil, because there is an ultimate standard of goodness in the universe. And that goodness is, is a person and, and that what, what we, it makes a difference whether we live, uh, like, uh, Genghis Khan or mother Teresa, because what we do echoes for eternity. Mm. And the, the other big one for me, Rob, was the question of love. I, yeah. I, I intuitively sensed that, that 
you know, love is the ultimate value. It, it just seemed like the most me meaningful thing. Um, there's a great, uh, I think it was the poet Chris Morley who said, if we all had only five seconds, uh, we discovered we only had five minutes left to live. What would we all do? We would all be on our phones calling those that we love, mm. that, that are special to us and telling them that we love them. You know, love is, love is, is so, so valuable. But, uh, you know, some worldviews, pantheistic worldviews, uh, say that um, everything is one, one is everything, that, that, um, that I, am, I am part of this divine oneness. Well, G.K. Chesterton made the great point, which is, it, how can I love my neighbour if I am my neighbour? If everything is one and one is everything, there's no room for love there. There's just, there's just a, mm. there's no relationship. Um, and then from an atheistic perspective, um, which which tends atheistic naturalism tends to boil everything down to nothing but uh, uh, chemistry, nothing but our DNA, uh, nothing nothing but physics and uh, biochemistry. And if love is nothing but um, you know chemical reactions over which we have no control because it's all deterministic and mechanistic, uh, that robs love of of. The meaning mm. that we naturally attributed to it based mm. on our lived experience but but on the other hand if at the foundation of all reality is love because god is love then this makes sense it changes everything it changes it changes things so so it sounds like you've just outlined in many ways the first part of your book it's like this is this is this is forms the, the the your book the sanity of belief why faith makes sense that's kind of what you argue in the the first part of the book isn't it trying to find meaning yes right yes so I, I i wrote that's exactly right because i wrote this book for people um just like me uh as i was as a young man just trying to work out what is life all about and could this this thing faith belief in god is that something worth exploring and so I'm really hoping that this book makes its way into the hands of, you know, open-minded uh, seekers of truth, uh, even mm -hmm. people who would be skeptical of faith in God to help them see that uh, far from being irrational, irrelevant or immoral, that um, Jesus actually makes sense of the questions that really matter to us and that he is in himself the fulfillment of the quest to find these things that really matter to us. So in the first half of the book, what I try to do is help, you know, in the words of Blaise Pascal, um, uh, make, with respect to the gospel, make people wish that it, it were true and then show them that it, it is. So in the first half of the book, I'm trying to help people see why the, why the good news of Jesus Christ is good, like really good. It's, it's, he is who you've been longing for your life without even realizing it. And then in the second half of the book, I try to help people see that you don't need to leave your brain at the door in order to be a Christian because the, the skeptically minded person says, oh, might say, you know, this sounds too good to be true. It probably mm. isn't. Um, so then I, then I start dealing with the hard evidence of science and history and, you know, mm. tough questions of philosophy to see, does this mm. really uh, stack up? And, and, and of course it does. Mm. Mm. Now, you've mentioned Jesus just now, and he was obviously a central figure for your coming to believe in the Christian message. Uh, and in the Gospel of John, in one of the four biographies of Jesus' life that we have, Jesus himself makes a strange yet audacious claim in John chapter 6, verse 35, where he declares, he says, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, Simon, isn't this just another example of nonsense? I mean, how can Jesus be bread? <laughs> yes. Anyone listening to Jesus at that time would have realized that he's, he's, using, he's using metaphor. <laughs> right, okay. And of course, you know, Christians don't believe that Jesus was, was literally a loaf, a loaf of bread. Jesus is teaching something so critically Im- Im- important here that who we are as because of who we are as human beings, uh, physical things alone cannot fully satisfy all that we are and all that we were made for. Um, and, and Jesus is saying that which you long for ultimately beyond the physical things of this world, it's me. I am the life that you seek. Uh, one of the biggest questions in, um, in philosophy uh, is, is what is, what is blessedness? What is the good life? We don't talk like that today, but we might say, you know, (laughs) how can I be happy or how can I be fulfilled? And often we're asking that from a very shallow perspective of, um, you know, uh, I just want nice feelings, but, but historically the deep thinkers have thought of happiness or, or blessedness as something much more than that. It's a, it's, it's to do with a fulfilling of, of purpose of, 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 of who we were made to be or what we're for. Mm. And Jesus is really saying, if you come to me, you will find your life's true purpose. You know, Augustine talks about um, our hearts being restless until they rest in God. In each and every human being, there is this longing that we were made made for God. And, and we feel all of us that there is something not right with the world. And we feel within us this this a sense of in- incompleteness and the, the the gospel is one big invitation that says come home come home why did christ come into the world because god wants us back mm. he wants us to be reconciled with him and it's there that life is to be found that's why jesus talks about mm. the bread of life yeah mm. so is that why so he here jesus says uh, anyone who comes to him will never be thirsty. So is thirsty again another metaphor or some sort of sense for our deepest desires and thirsts in life, so to speak, and coming to Jesus somehow then uh, satisfies that? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's, a, it's, it's a repetition of the same theme, uh, hunger, thirst. It's all about longing. It's all about desire. And when I speak to people, um, um, when... And when they drop, when, when, when people drop their guard and they're honest with each other, you know, almost everyone can attest to this experience that, um, they're not satisfied. They're, they're looking for something. They're longing for something. They don't know what it is. And, and people spend their entire lives going from one potential answer to another potential answer to, uh, satisfying this, this need for satisfaction, fulfillment, blessedness, um, and just brokenness after brokenness as they find that that thing that was, which they think will bring ultimate fulfillment, they finally get it and they find that it, it, it doesn't satisfy. And so they're left more lonely, more broken, more empty, um, than ever, ever before. And, and which is why I think, you know, the Bible says it's, it's Christ's love that compels us, um, that compels us to be and ambassadors to have this ministry of reconciliation to say to those who are looking in all the wrong places uh for the answer to these deep desires be reconciled to god 
he's the one who loves you, who made you, and who makes sense of all these deep desires. Mm. So how has Jesus been satisfying for you? Well, as I said, he was satisfying right from the very beginning. Uh, when I, um, when I, when I encountered him through the pages of the Bible, um, he, he, um, he engaged my heart, uh, and he engaged my mind. Uh, and as I, as I, I came to realize who he was, because even before you realize who Jesus is, he's such an engaging figure. And so what difference has it made to your life then from those searching years as a teenager to now? What, what difference has Jesus made for you? When I, when I eventually went beyond merely intellectually assenting to the fact that Christianity is true and I uh, got on my knees in my bedroom one night and I, 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 I prayed to God and I said, God, I give you my life. You're in charge now. I'm not. Uh, you are my Lord and my Savior. I commit myself unto you and to follow you from the rest of my days. Um, I uh, experienced at a very deep level, and this is not lightning and firecrackers, but more um, in the deepest part of me, just a profound sense of peace that the most important decision that I could ever make in my life has been made. I'm now united to God, reconciled to him, and he has promised me that he is never going to let me go. And ever since then, it has been, like any relationship, the most fulfilling thing in the world. There, there's nothing more fulfilling, nothing more important, nothing more wonderful than relationships. Mm -hmm. But this is a relationship with the person who made me, who loves me, and who made the universe. And so the more I follow him and learn to trust him, the more I experience all the things that I long for, goodness, beauty, truth, love um, through him. And not only that, it's not just a sort of a self-enlightenment, self-fulfillment thing. Jesus actually helps me to live my purpose, which is to be a little light in this world for him as well. So Simon, does faith in God make sense? Faith in God... Uh, makes absolute sense. Trusting in Jesus Christ is the most sensible, rational, and wonderful thing that you could possibly do with your life. As Jesus declared, he is the bread of life. Whoever comes to him will never go hungry. Whoever believes in him will never be thirsty. If you're hungry, it makes sense to eat. If you're hungry at a spiritual level, it makes sense to be reconciled to God. And part of the good news is you don't have to leave your brain at the door to do that because the Lord wants you to love him with your whole being, your heart, your soul, your strength, and also your mind. Well, let me leave you with some of the Bible's answer to the big question, does faith in God make sense? From John 6, 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Thanks very much to our guest today, Simon Edwards. Enjoy Bigger Questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash biggerquestions.